Well, welcome back everybody, and it's great to be with you for another week of the extras. My name is Sam. And I'm Jack. It's great to be here. We have got a bumper issue for you this afternoon of uh, questions out of the back half of Matthew chapter 8. Jack, you've been preaching up a storm on Matthew's gospel um, for those of us who weren't there on Sunday night, Sunday day. Uh, tell us, what did we miss? Well, we saw Jesus preach down a storm, so to speak. <laughs> he, he calms the storm. We see his authority over the world. We see Jesus driving out demons, mm. proving his authority over the spiritual world. Mm. And out of all of this picture of his lordship over the universe, there comes this big call to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. Follow Jesus, whatever the cost. Yeah, it was a really um, convicting time, I thought, yesterday, and uh, very thankful for, for this part of God's word. It was great to be in it. Um, we've got a heap of questions yeah. and uh, about all sorts of things, so we are going to dive straight in today and uh, get underway. We'll, we'll do our best to, to keep it to 30 minutes and uh, let's see how we go. So, uh, Jack, we're, we're diving in. Um, a couple of, couple of quick ones on the text. Um, mm. Jesus says, the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head, but then uh, four verses later, he's lying his head, uh, but it's in a boat. Uh, it seems a bit odd. Someone's asking, is there anything significant to that little um, parallel there? Yeah, it's a nice little observation. I think that when Jesus says there's no place to lay his head, he's talking about home at that point, and that's the, the verse he's saying, you know, foxes mm. have dens, they've got their homes. Birds have nests. They've got their own little houses in the trees. Yes. Son of Man's going to have no place to, yeah. to lie down and, you know, where he's going to be home and be secure. Yes. So the fact that Jesus has to lie down in a boat to go yeah. to sleep kind of proves the point. Like, that's not exactly luxury, five-star no, that's right. accommodation, is it? No. Yeah. Jesus, I mean, he's been out. He's, he's been healing people. Like, he's been really busy. And it's, he goes away from the crowds and he mm. can't even, you know, get a, get a night in a bed. Like, he's so exhausted. The place he sleeps in is in a boat. Yeah. Like, I think he's showing us in action, you know. There's nowhere safe and secure for him to, to rest. Yes, which sort of means that on his call to us to follow him, it, it, we're to at some level expect the same, yeah, in terms of... Mm. And our culture's not very good at this. We, we want, you know, I've had a hard day, a bit of me time, a bit of, bit of relax, a bit of time out, and then, yeah. I'll, then I'll go back. Jesus is saying, actually, part of the Christian life is you come follow me. That's right. Even, even if that costs. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um... Okay, I've uh, got a couple of questions around the demon side of things. Just a um, couple. Yeah, just a, just a couple. <laughs> well, we did, we did some yesterday as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, interest around... Um, so these demons go into the pigs, uh, yeah. Jesus sends them, and then, uh, the, then the pigs run down the hill and uh, throw themselves into the water and die. Uh, what happens to the demons then? Um, do, do, do they die? Do they go back to Satan? What happens... It's such a, a big question and a really good one. I mean, it's really fascinating. And like I said uh, in the sermon, the, the text doesn't tell us a lot. And um, we can speculate a bit, but hey, that's, that's what we're here for. So let's... let's, let's <laughs> here's Before let's we speculate, there is a bit more that can be said. Yeah, okay. I think let's, there's more to say. Let's try and biblically speculate. Yeah, exactly. What, what that's, can we do here? that's a good way to speculate. Yeah, yeah good. Um, I think that uh, you see here the demons, what they're doing is they're fleeing from Jesus's authority. So... The demons going to the pigs and killing the pigs is, is the alternative to what they say in verse 29. You know, they're expecting Jesus to come and torture them. Mm. So it seems like, you know, what they're doing is, is the better option. Like, yes. they go to the pigs, the pigs die. I think what happens after that is the demons are released from the pigs and go back out into the world, go back to the devil, you know, go mm. wherever demons go. Yep. But it seems like this episode is them getting away getting away from Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Sort of escape from Jesus' lordship for, for the time being. For the time being. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. because we know it, to, to, with some degree of um, blurriness 
that that demons are not sort of um, like humans going to die. Mm. Uh, they, they sort of keep going until the, uh, a point further down the track where they, yeah. as kind of eternal beings of sorts, mm. that yeah, they're not going to just die with the pigs. Exactly. Yeah, and this yeah. seems to be them, you know, causing havoc, causing death and chaos. That seems to be yes. kind of their, you know, their mission. We said that a bit earlier on, like the demon possessed man at the start. They come out from the tombs. Yes. The demons, you know, they send people hanging out in the graveyards. Like they love death. Yeah. They love everything that's opposed to God, so they kind of... It's like they get to have their last hurrah and cause this massive yeah, so it's kind of, massacre, and then they yeah. get to run off. Yeah. Kind of like cheeky schoolboys who've been kind of snuck away from the headmaster, then they sort of pull their last prank on the way out. Like yeah. They, 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 a bit more death on the yeah. way. Yeah, the demon muck-up day, that kind of thing. Something like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But they, they don't die. That they're, they're, um, which, which brings us to our next question, um, which is that they, they speak earlier... You said it's verse 29, I think it is... Mm. Um, uh, about they say to, to Jesus, "Have you come to torture us before the appointed time?" Yeah. And the question is, what is that appointed time? Um, is that the cross? Is that it, um, the final judgment? What What is that? Yeah, another great question. I think those are the two options. Uh, you think about yeah, big things that God's doing. They're the two landmark things after this episode. Mm. And both of those events have something to do with. God's judgment upon Satan and his forces. Yep. So Colossians 2 verse 15 talks about how at the cross, Jesus disarmed the, the evil powers and authorities. That's his moment of triumph mm-hmm. over them. And yet, when you read 1 Peter 5, uh, it talks about how the devil is prowling around like a lion, mm. uh, looking for someone to, to devour, even after the cross. So it seems like in this age that we're in, in the last days between Jesus' two comings, the devil's power has been broken. Like the cross was kind of the, you know, the blow that's struck down Satan. Like he doesn't have the same kind of power he used to have, but he is, he is still in the world. He still has power. He's still awaiting the final day when destruction will come. And a bit later on in Matthew, Matthew 25, Jesus talks through the parable of the sheep and the goats. He talks about how the, there's this eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm. And that's the last day, second coming. It seems like that's the moment that the demons have in mind here in Matthew 8. The, the appointed time when they're going to face that final destruction Yes, is the last day. Yes, yeah, Matthew 25 points to that, doesn't it? In yeah. the sheep and the goats passage in terms of yeah, um, th- th- that, that final day of the, the fiery lake. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, now, uh, kind of connected to that, we've got these demons running into the pigs. The questions come in, um, do you have any thoughts why there were pig farmers in Israel? It seems as if, if they took the law seriously, um, there should have been no pigs. It's a bacon-free yeah. society. Um, That's right. Why pigs? Yeah, another good question. I think the, the answer is that at this point, Jesus is not in a, a Jewish part of mm. the, the land. So he has come from Capernaum, which is Jewish territory, is across the lake. Yes. We're on the other side of the lake now. We're near Gadara. Yep. This is the region you might have seen the word Decapolis gets thrown around in the Gospels a few times. And yes. that's this more Greek-Roman area of what we know as Israel-Palestine. So the fact that the people have pigs kind of mm. confirms that as well. This we're is Gentile outside, territory. Yeah, that's right. We're in Gentile territory here. Yeah. Um, and there are, little, there are little moments of this. We, we saw one last week as well mm. with Jesus interacting with the Gentile um, and, and sort of almost foreshadowing where the Gospel's going to get to yeah, that's in, right. in the time to come. Yeah. Okay, uh, now, prior to that, um, the, the demons and the pigs, um, Jesus calms this incredible storm um, while he's on the boat, um, and uh, you were talking to us uh, yesterday really helpfully about how actually the God who is there can do miracles, and uh, getting mm. our, our um, sort of set of assumptions right in the way that we think about um, the God who is there. Um, but yeah. a couple of questions have come in along those lines in terms of, firstly, 
what is a miracle and how do we identify a, a miracle if it were to happen? Yeah, I love this question. Mm. A miracle, I think, is God intervening in the world in a way that's different to the normal natural, the natural order of things. And already that's a bit complicated because the Bible tells us that everything that happens in the world is under God's sovereignty. Yes. You know, he sustains the world by the word of his power. And everything that happens is ultimately because God's the one who yes. is, is at work. He's the, the king. Yes. You know, nothing escapes his control. We're not naturalists in that sense, are yeah, we? In exactly. the sense that there's that stuff happens on its own and then God sometimes plays in. Actually, God's doing everything all yeah, the time. Yeah, that's yep. right. Okay. But there do seem to be the, the, these moments where the normal natural order of things that God does work through to govern the world most of the time, sometimes he seems to step in in some unusual way that's obviously different to everything else that happens. And I mean, mm. the calming of the storm, that's a clear moment. You know, Jesus speaks, the mm. winds and the waves instantly stop. That's not what people are expecting. There was something different here. You know, yes. this is God... Going over and above, maybe that's that's not a bad way to, to, mm. to say it. So what does that mean for us today? Yeah, I think that, I mean, there's plenty of stories of miracles in the Bible. As soon as you start to think about it, well, today, there's, I mean, there's a whole stack of questions there. I mean, yeah, I mean, I believe that miracles do still happen today. I think God still does step into our world in, mm. in miraculous, uh, unexpected ways. Well, I mean, sometimes expected if we're, if we're praying for God to heal someone, sometimes that is something that God does miraculously. And mm. yeah, I mean, it's easy to kind of treat those sorts of things with skepticism. And maybe that's something that our world trains us to do as well. But if you believe in a God who is, who is there and who is powerful and who listens to your prayers, of course mm. he can heal someone in a snap. Like that's, that's something you do. And I mean, mm. I know people who, who have, you know, the doctors have told them, look, what you've got, it's, it's terminal. I'm sorry. You know, this is it. Like there's mm. no getting out of here. And then, you know, we pray for them. And two weeks later, the doctor's saying, wait, you're cured. I don't know how that happened. That's impossible. Like, mm. it's a miracle. Sometimes you hear doctors say things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you spot that? I mean, that's, like, that's starting to get really difficult mm. to mm. work through. Could, you know, that there are things about the human body we don't understand and the body can sort itself out, you know. Well, even when that happens, that's God, again, the one who's sovereignly superintending everything. Mm. And, yeah. may, and maybe at one level it's not our job to um, dis- discern. Like the good thing about the miracles in Scripture is you've got a word from God saying, yeah. this, this was Jesus or this was done so that you can see something. Um, we, we know that whatever happens, God is in control. Mm. So we pray and we ask for big things and um, God, God does them how he, how he wills at one level yeah. and uh, we've got to trust him with that. Um, Sometimes you think, yep, that, I'm pretty confident that's a miracle, but you don't always have a direct word from God saying, see, that was the answer to your... To, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so, anyway. Um, that sort of leads to, to the question, though, part of what Jesus is doing here is demonstrating he, that he, he is, uh, sort of, as you took us to that passage in Psalms, fulfilling that he is God in the way that, that sort of the, the Old Testament speaks about God being. Yeah. Um, what if Jesus didn't have that authority over the natural world or the supernatural world? Would that make his claim for our total allegiance less valid? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. If Jesus isn't the Lord of the universe, like, why would you listen to anything he says? Hmm. You know, if the, the person who drives the bus that you hop on this morning said, hey, I, I want you to quit your job, sell everything, come follow me. Like, you know, you may decide that's something you want to do. Like, you know, that's, that's possible. Maybe that's that's the, a good thing. But you have the right to say, no, I, I don't want to do that. That's ridiculous. Hmm. But if the Lord of the universe tells you to do something, that's something that you have to sit up and take notice of. Mm. I mean, C.S. Lewis, like we talked about him last night again. It's always good to talk about C.S. Lewis. He talked about how 
when you come to the claims of Jesus, either Jesus is Lord, he is who the Bible says he is, he's the one with all authority who you have to follow. But if, if that's not true, if Jesus claimed that, but it's not actually the case, either Jesus was, you know, a charlatan, he's a, he's a liar and he's deceived everyone, in which case, why would you follow, you know, the con man? Mm. Or he was crazy, he was a lunatic, he's a mm. madman, and again, why would you follow? Yeah. But if he is Lord, then his authority is total. What he says goes. Yeah. And so if he doesn't display the attributes of God, like being able to control the elements, being able to have authority over all things, then it's it's less likely that he is who he says he is. Yeah. Um, and so we don't want to follow him. But if he if he actually does display the attributes of God, then and and can back up the claim, then we want to say, well, yeah, mm. let's follow him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, we've got a couple of questions that I think are just really helpful here in terms of um, playing out one of the big applications from yesterday's um, teaching in terms of uh, uh, this full allegiance to Jesus being called to give up everything and follow him, even giving up you know, allegiance to family and, and other things like that, this kind of all or nothing mm. kind of approach. How does that stand in tension with uh, what the Bible teaches in other places that actually... Salvation is not dependent on us. Um, uh, it's, it's all by grace um, and freely given. So yeah. how does that work? It, especially what if what if I'm not full on enough? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't go, you know, chips down all in, you know, to use that illustration. Um, where's the balance there? How does that work? Yeah, it's a great question because it's one that I think all of us feel and wrestle with. I mean, I know that I don't always put Jesus first the way this passage calls, and, and I'm assuming that mm. all of you listening feel that as well. So we feel that, yeah. We do. I mean, we spent lots of time last term looking at Romans, and Romans makes it really clear. No one is righteous. No one seeks God. Yeah. Uh, all have turned away, mm. and that's why we all need to be saved by grace, because none of us naturally on our own are going to do this. You know, None of us are able to mm. hear this call and, and actually do it. So... Yeah, we've got to keep remembering that, that the only reason anyone's saved is by the sheer, wonderful, gracious mercy of God. So yes. put that, you know, line in the sand, put that peg in the ground, that's not going away. Yep. you got to hold that together with these words that Jesus gives and other parts of the, the New Testament give as well, that it's a, it's a total radical call to obedience and, and, and devoted, undivided worship of God. Mm. Like the issue that I think is at the heart of this is the issue of idolatry. You know, who is your God? Yeah. So Jesus will say things like, you know, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Mm. If you were going to say a similar thing in this passage, I think, I think he would have said, you can't serve both God and your family, which we'll talk a bit more about in a second. Yeah. But yeah, the point is, you know, Jesus is saying that there's, at the end of the day, there's one thing at the, the top of your list. Is that God or is it not? Yes. As we go through life, I mean, there's going to be times when, yeah, like, even if you're striving to, you know, put Jesus first with the power of the Spirit helping you because He's saved you. There's going to be times when you're, you stray and you, you sin, and, and we know that, uh, that, that that's going to happen. But Jesus still calls us when we, when we do that to come back to Him and ask forgiveness, and, and we have assurance of that forgiveness. But the big picture is that uh, God has saved us not to just you know, do what we want, just sit around, you know, mm-hmm. sin it up. He saved us to, yep. to change and obey and, and put Him first. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, there is actually, there's a grace of God in that too, isn't there? That God, the best thing for us is that God is our God. Yeah. Um, it's not good for us to have other things as our God. Um, as good as family is or as good as money can be, um, 
if, if those are our gods, that's not good for us. Mm. So, so there's actually a kindness to God calling us to have yeah. the right thing as God. Um, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned the Romans thing. I mean, my head's been in Romans for, for a fair bit of this year, but I think that's right. That we, we don't seek him naturally, but he comes and seeks us and then sort of stirs us by his sovereign mm. work in our life. To, to that we now begin to seek him so the yeah. whole thing even even if you've responded to the call to Jesus to come and follow him and to leave your idols behind that's because God has worked in you so those yeah. two things always go hand in hand mm. um, they're, they're not opposed with one another it's yeah. actually yeah they're working beautifully together yeah, yeah. exactly yeah alright um, now let, let's keep pushing along here um, in terms of practical ways of doing that so, so Jesus says mm. Right, I t- said to this man, "Get on the boat. Don't le- leave the dead to bury their dead." Yeah. Um, practically, what does this look like for me to be someone who uh, just follows Jesus with everything? Yeah, it's a great question to ask. Like, it's always the question we want to ask, really. How does this actually flow out practically in life? Yes. It's also a really hard question for us to answer in this yeah. format because yeah. I don't know. You know, you listener, I don't know exactly what situation you're in, what decision you're facing, and it's hard to speak into practical circumstances because they're all different Mm. so what we can say the thing that's practical that comes out of this is i think it's a passage that equips us with a bit of a framework Mm. to bring to life and the the decisions we make i mean maybe decisions is one place where we can particularly focus here because that's the the context that jesus is in at this point you know he says this disciple which way is it going to go you can get in the boat or you can go to the funeral like it's a a clear line in the sand moment yep and i think often we do face situations in life where we're we're making choices. We're thinking about, you know, what job am I going to go for? What university course do I want to do? Mm. Which person am I going to marry? Like, there's all sorts of... Where am I going to live? How yeah. am I going to spend my money? All yeah. this kind of stuff. Decisions all the time. Yeah. And I think that what Jesus is calling us to do is to to set our compass, if you like, by Him. Yeah. And make it so that as we make those decisions, the question we're asking is... You know, who am I serving? You know, why do I want to do this thing? Yeah. Is this the thing that's best going to enable me to live a life that honors Jesus and helps me to, you know, all of that, all of that, that entails being a part of church and going mm. out on mission, all those things. Like, how is whatever's in front of you, how is that going to give you opportunities to actually do what Jesus wants? Yeah. And I think my, my gut on myself, as well as having ministered to lots of people over many years, is I think we human beings, we're, we're far too content to, to think that there's there's no challenge here or, or we can have, have it all. You know, we can we can follow Jesus and have everything else. Yeah. Um, and I think p- practically what this means is, is recognizing that actually more often than not, that's not the case. Mm. That often there is a cost to following Jesus. And actually, if, if my life looks exactly the same as any other person's life, going around and, and perhaps something is is amiss here because Jesus is calling me to give everything up and I want to have I want to have that worldview which says okay here, here's a decision I've got to make can I can I follow Jesus and make that decision yeah. or, or does following Jesus mean that I actually need to think twice and think differently about this I think that's what it means for me yeah I think that's a good way to think about it yeah yeah um why is it though that there is such a huge cost to following Jesus? I mean, someone's someone's sent this question saying, "Look, the, the demand seems on Jesus' part selfish and exclusive and, and unloving to our loved ones. Is, is Jesus a bit selfish here?" Yeah. Again, another good question. Um, why is there such a huge cost to it? I think ultimately it's because our world is so opposed to Jesus. Like, if everyone in our world was on board with God and everyone thought that, yeah, you know, we should all be going 
Jesus way, then I don't think there would be many conflicts because we'd all be going the same direction. But the fact that the world hates Jesus mm. means that, you know, we who love Jesus and want to go his way, we're, we're caught in the middle. You know, it's, it's possible for us to want to have a, a foot in both camps mm. and be trying to go after Jesus but being dragged back by the world. I mean, the reason why it's so costly is because the people who hate Jesus are also people who, who love us and who, who we care about. So, you know, being torn between these two two groups, I think that's the thing that makes it costly for us. Mm. Are Jesus' demands selfish and exclusive and, and unloving? You know, in the end, no, because he's the one who's perfectly loving and selfless and he calls us to do what is good mm. for us. That's what you're saying before, Sam. Yeah. But will they seem unloving to our our loved ones? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Living in a world where people hate God, we who choose to put God first, to our peop- to, to our you know parents, loved ones, family members who who don't know Jesus, at some points we're going to look like we we don't care about them because we care about something else more. And I think I said that in the sermon. You know, for the that man there who chose to go after Jesus instead of go to the family funeral, man, they would have thought that was the most unloving thing this guy could do you know how could you not go to your dad's funeral that's like mm. you know surely the most important thing in your life well for this guy there was something more important and that mm. did seem un- unloving and exclusive mm. and again that's another part of the cost we will bear the disappointment and the the contempt of even people we care about because they don't understand who jesus is and why he has to be mm. the most important thing to us okay um i mean practically speaking let, let's try and drill into this a little bit how mm. do how do i know if, if I'm in a decision moment like this, how do I know if, if doing something for my family is actually going against God? How, how do I, you know, let's say my, my parents are sick, but there's an opportunity to serve God over here. I mean, I know that that, that was the case for, for a friend of mine who's an overseas missionary, you know, uh, wrestling with, with par- parental aging and sickness and mm. then trying to work out, but we're supposed to be on the mission field. How do we, yeah, I mean, practically speaking, how do, how do we work this out? This is an, another one that's really hard and, like all decisions where we are wrestling with our place in the world and what God thinks of it, this is something for prayer and we need a lot of wisdom. I think I'd say that what, what the scriptures are saying at this point, it's an issue of your heart. It's not, in, it's not just about you know, what you end up actually doing and, and how, you, how you treat your family. You could treat your family in very similar ways but have a heart that's completely different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, in that situation, you could decide, yeah, you need to be there for your sick parents because you don't really care about God and the mission, you know, you, you believe that your parents are the more important thing, so you could decide to stay with them. Yes. Or you could decide to stay with them, knowing that Jesus is the most important thing and knowing that Jesus calls you to, to, to care and honour them and, and, and look after them. Like, there's... Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I do, I yeah, do. Yes, so, so at one level, it's very tricky just to tell based on the outcome and the actual actions that happen. Yeah. But actually, um, and, and this is one of the things in that Jesus often says very extreme things in the gospel, but he says different things to different audiences. Yeah. So sometimes to the Pharisees, he'll speak in pretty polemic, um, sort of um, exclusive, kind of uh, challenging terms um, in order to help them see something, but he'll speak to somebody else quite differently Mm. um, because he's trying to get to the heart of the issue, not just on the, here's the bunch of rules that you've got to do to get it right with me. Yeah. He cares a lot about what's going on in the heart. So I think that's, that's a helpful distinction to make there. Um, and that actually two people's actions that might look the same can be done from very different hearts. Yeah. Um, and what God ultimately cares about is, is he number one in your heart and in your life? And, and are, your, are the actions that you're taking flowing from that place? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that what that means in practice is, again, it's something to wrestle with, but it's not something that we wrestle with on our own. Mm. So if you are in a particular situation and you're really asking the question, you know, oh, is what I'm doing actually honoring Jesus as first? Am I at risk here of putting something else above him? Yeah. To start with, if you're asking that question, that's a great sign. Like yeah, that's, that's the question, question you want to ask, yep. but you don't have to answer it on your own. You can, you can talk to your, your friends at church. You can talk to your growth group leader. You know, mm. that's the kind of thing to, to wrestle through with someone else and get yep. some outside yeah. wisdom from a trusted brother and sister who can tell you actually yeah you know we can we can work that out together yeah very helpful all right we're moving towards the end here um one more that kind of comes on from this is someone's noted mark 7 where uh, we were just mentioning this sometimes jesus speaks to, to different audiences and he, in mark 7 he speaks to the um sort of the, the pharisee who um would give money to support parents but declares it korban which means a gift devoted to god so it's yeah. taking mum and dad's retirement fund or mum and dad's you know aged mm. care benefit and saying sorry guys can't have that um that i'm going to give that to the temple um because it's because god's more important to me yeah how, how do we balance so and jesus seems to rebuke that and say you, you should look after your parents and, and actually other parts one timothy five talks mm. about um if anyone doesn't look after their own family they're worse than an unbeliever so Sometimes it feels like you're getting contradictory messages. Yeah. Um, how, do, how do we make sense of that? Yeah. I mean, it's related to the things we've just been saying, I think. Mm. And the scriptures, they, they paint the boundaries pretty well for us. So on, on one hand, you've got something like Matthew 8 that we've been looking at, where Jesus says to the person who is wrestling with, well, is Jesus really that important? You know, my family's really important. I want to go to the funeral. You know, mm. maybe Jesus doesn't matter that much. Jesus rebukes that and says, no, you got to put me first. Yes. And then at the other extreme, it says the Pharisees who are like, oh yeah, you know, we love God. We love God so much. We're, we're even going to sacrifice our parents to do that. Yeah. Jesus rebukes that as well. So it's clear that you can't put Jesus second. And it's also clear that you can't just use, you know, your religious kind of service as a, as a cover for just... For not caring for people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So he, he, he rules out both those extremes. Yeah. Most of life, if you are trying to honor Jesus, I take it most of life you're going to be in the middle, somewhere between those extremes. I mean, yeah. that's what we've been talking about. Again, that's, that's the thing where you're wrestling and you're praying and you're, yes. you're seeking wisdom. But it is interesting that Jesus, like you said, he gives those opposite words to different people depending on what they're struggling with. Like, he knows our hearts. He does. And in the end, that's the thing that matters. Which master are you trying to serve? Yeah. For the Pharisees, I take it when they're wrestling you know, with the Corban thing, I don't think they're choosing between God and, and their parents. I think they're choosing between themselves yeah. and their parents. You know, they, they want to offer the... T- the, the offerings to, you know, make themselves look good or, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, they, yeah. they don't seem to really, you know, honour God. If they did, they'd, they'd know that honouring their parents was something they couldn't get away That's from. That's right. And I take it in Mark 7, part of the reason they're giving the, the, the family money away is so they don't have to give their own. Yeah. Because um, it, it's a lot it's a lot more efficient that way. Give, <laughs> give the money mm. that you should be using for your parents so you don't have to be sacrificial and you can still meet the, the requirement to give the temple tax. Without, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, last question. Uh, someone's texting a longish question I'll try and try and uh, summarize it in terms of um, people serving in ministry in, in this case in, I think in a different church um, but where um, uh, someone in full-time ministry uh, out all the time neglecting family neglecting kids um, uh, danger of, of sort of family resentment despite the fact that the ministry that the person's doing is, is brilliant great ministry mm. um, how would you, if you have a friend, if you're you're the friend of that person and, yeah. and you know this person, um, you want to speak into the into that situation. What what would you give us advice in terms of how to wisely speak into support 
uh, sort of rebuke or whatever we need to do in that situation? Yeah, this is a great question, and thank you to whoever sent it in. Um, it's really, yeah, really getting to the bottom of these issues because I think on the one hand you've got this person clearly wants to, as in the the person in ministry, wants to put Jesus first, but putting Jesus first will mean, I think, in most. Yeah, I mean, correct me if you think I'm wrong, Sam. I think I mean putting family second. I think that that's the second highest priority we've been given, you know, loving family, caring for kids, looking after your spouse, you know, all those things are crucially important for people who want to put Jesus first. So to recognize that in your friend and to, to feel concerned for them and for that family is, is absolutely right. And I think when we have that kind of concern for people, the right thing to do is to speak up. I don't think it's helpful to... I mean, this isn't just this issue. This relates to any time where, you, you know, you look at your Christian brother or sister and see that they're struggling with something and, and they're not living up to God's standards. The right thing to do is in love, hey, look, you know, you say, hey, look, you know, I could be wrong, I, you know, but this is what I've observed, you know, here's what I'm seeing about your life situation. Just want to ask if you've noticed that, like what you think about what you're doing. I think if someone has the courage to come and say to you, that to mm. you, it's, it's the most loving thing you, you can do in a way. Like, yeah. especially in our culture, which we're so bad at doing that. We don't want to offend people, so we just tend to stay away and just let people continue down bad paths. When what, what they really need is a friend who's actually going to come and yes. speak into that. Yes. I, I think I agree totally in terms of um, speaking. Uh, the, best, the best loving thing you can do is speak to the person. Mm. Um, that, that's always the best thing, to be honest. Have a conversation, have a humble, gracious approach to it but have the conversation. The only thing I, I, I'm not sure in terms of if I heard you right, Jack, I, I'm not sure I'd say um, family second behind God, Yeah. but I'm not necessarily sure in terms of ministry um, because I think I can, I'm in full-time ministry, but I think mm. I can be a Christian without being in full-time ministry. Yeah. And so I think if there came to a point that, that my ministry was actually so affecting my family life and my marriage, um, you know, I've made a promise before God to, to love my wife. Um, mm. And if ministry was actually stopping me keeping that promise, I think I can step away from ministry and still be a Christian. Yeah. So, so I think God first, and I, but I think that's not the, the case whether you're in, in full-time paid ministry or, yeah. or not. Um, God, God is always first. So my 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 duty to God as a as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely first, and then marriage and family second, and then ministry. I think after that. But so, yeah, yeah. so the danger can be that you elevate the sort of. The, the function of being a full-time minister over and above mm. the function of being a, a husband and a father. Um, I'm not sure I'm with that. I, I don't think that's the right priority set there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Christian, first and foremost, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. totally agree. If I said something that disagrees with what you yeah, just said, I, I, I just want to, good. No, so just good want to clarify and yeah. make sure we're on the same page there. I, I, I think you are. I think we just, just want to, for everyone listening, that we make sure that we're, we're clear. Indeed. Um, yeah, because, yeah, God, we can be, yeah, we want to be with God first and then, yeah ministries not not exactly the same thing yeah so, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah mate this has been really really helpful and look at that we've just gone 30 minutes and 50 oh, seconds so we, we, we've managed to squeeze that in <laughs> we, we did a bit of summarizing and conflating of questions there but hopefully we got your question covered this week um thank you so much for everyone texting in with brilliant questions making us think and yeah, yeah. really really good good times um, very quickly jack before we finish um this sunday um you're you're continuing on in the matthew journey for most of our services except for night church which has confirmation that's right this so, sunday but for the for, for those services where yeah. are you heading so cross and paul's we're coming into matthew chapter 9 mm-hmm. and the next kingdom that we're going to see the kingdom of God collide with is is sin. We mm. see Jesus' authority here to forgive sins on earth, and we see his mission. He, he comes to, to 
to call the righteous, sorry, not the righteous, but sinners. That's what Jesus has come to do. Mm. That's what we're getting into in most of our uh, congregations on Sunday. Yep. And then Night Church will have Archbishop Peter Jensen coming along to preach up a storm. And yeah, we've got a bunch of people being confirmed. Yeah, it's going to be great. exciting to hear some testimonies of the work that God's done in people's lives. And yeah, that's, that's brilliant. So yeah. what an exciting weekend coming up. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm excited. Cool. All right, we're going to leave it there. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for your questions. Thanks, Jack, for your brilliant work with us. And uh, we will see everybody at church on Sunday. See you then. Bye-bye.